Yeah, I agree. And then I also think culturally within like a, a Bangladeshi culture where um, daughters marry, they become someone else's family. Yeah. So like post like my mum passing away and like the household as it is now, if anything happens, my dad will pretty much rely on my little brother because he's the male, he's the youngest son and he's part of that family. My dad perceives me to be part of someone else's family. So if anything, like... I have to really phone and find out if there's anything going on. He would never outrightly tell me, which really annoys me because I don't see myself as like, say again. So do you mean your, your brother or your dad? My dad. Even oh. my, they've got this like little pact, let's say, where you don't need to get sisters involved. This is in our household. They're part of another household now. If it's life, and, unless it's life and death, they don't need to know, like literally. Yeah, that's 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 kind of a bit normal in terms of like um like Nigerian cultures as well. Like when usually when whether it's male or female, a man or a woman, when you kind of get married, you kind of almost like you're right. You've got your own family now, so you don't really have to. The only thing you to do certain things is is kind of like you, know, you don't have to do it anymore. You've got your own family to worry about. But I think with what I feel like with, with um, certain Nigerian cultures. That doesn't really end. I think there's always going to be, no matter what, you can have moved away your own family. You're always going to have that kind of responsibility to kind of still check in on the family. But obviously, yeah. like now, where, um, but I feel like my family was a bit different because, like, my when my mum was around, alive, sorry, um, you know, we've always kind of been independent from quite early on. So it wasn't a thing of like, oh, you know, we had that talk with mum where she would say, when you guys get older or eventually get married, you guys uh, have your own family. Um, and you've got no longer look after him, but it was always a, independent from like early, like, and she's been quite self sufficient as well. I think the first year that my mum passed away, on the first year anniversary, I created like a little video tribute with each family member, like sharing memories and just their thoughts and feelings, just as a viewing for our family. Yeah. And I remember his his contribution. It said like, you know, I always saw the fact that. I was going to buy somewhere lovely with a massive garden because my mum liked gardening and just I was going to look after her. She was very much going to be part of my future in that way and it was my turn to pay them back for everything that they've done for me. And I think, I do think in our culture, there is like almost an ex, like an unwritten expectations that the sons take on and look after the parents because naturally the daughters, they do get married and they have their own household and all that stuff. But it doesn't stop my sisters and I from coming, like going home. Very, like we haven't been able to because of lockdown. Mm. But typically, we'd all always go back during the holidays, and we spend a lot of time in our family household. I think it's quite abnormal, actually, how how often we go back home. But I think our parent in laws they understand that my dad and my little brother are alone at home, and then you know, without the the mother's presence, it, it doesn't feel like home. So they. They've always been understanding of us going back home and spending time in our family home. But yeah, yeah. lots of cultural things there. Now, I know we, when we spoke um, like off, off, offline and stuff, or off the pod, sorry, um, like, you know, like you decided to, um, you know, work abroad and, you know, what teaching and how that kind of, um, I would say they're not impacted but affected the family in terms of like you know cultural norms and stuff so like i wanted to like get into getting get into that yeah 
Where do I start with it? Okay, so um, mom passed away in 2015, but in 2014, when she was in remission, I'd taken up a job opportunity in Saudi Arabia. Um, I was teaching English as um, English as was it ESL? English as a second language. Sorry, completely mind blocked then. Um, and I th- I remember at that time, my mum was like my like my number one supporter. Um, initially, my parents were like a bit like mm, letting her go abroad, like young Asian girl on her own again, like. I think typically a lot of Asian parents wouldn't allow their daughters to go abroad like that. But my mum was like, no, she, she'll be good. And it was just when I said, I think I said, oh, I'm going to go to China. And they're like, no, you're not. I said, oh, I'm going to go to Brazil. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> but I said, OK, fine, Saudi Arabia or Dubai. And they're like, um, OK, Muslim countries, maybe that is potentially something that you can do. And then um, when I'd gone out there, I think it was, it was a massive, oh, how old was I? I was what, 21 when I went abroad on my own. And I don't think anyone in my external family had ever done something like that either. So I think I was like- 21. Say it again. That's, that's a big thing um, to do at 21. I never saw it that way though, because as someone like growing up, like I think especially during uni and stuff, I'd always go on holidays and stuff. And I thought it's just, it's just like a holiday, right? But you have to work whilst you're there um so yeah long story short between 2014 and 15 I had spent my first year living abroad in Saudi Arabia very a very interesting experience in terms of my self and personal development um but then I think it was November or December of 2014 where I'd gotten um a message that my 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 dad had had a stroke and I was like what's going on here so I I remember booking my flight going back home um and seeing my dad in a wheelchair like his whole of his right side was left paralyzed and apparently like the doctors didn't really like he'd called the doctors like someone that works for him had called the doctors and said look he's experiencing these symptoms and the doctor said oh he should be fine but actually he was having a stroke and because they didn't say oh he needs to be seen to like it was a very a very very big like a very detrimental stroke that left him half paralyzed and my my dad I don't really talk about him very much in spoken grief because it's obviously my mum that's passed away but my dad is as a person you know, he, he came to the UK when he was 12. He's very independent, very determined. He's always, he never went to school. So he felt like he's had the biggest point to prove by coming over to the UK. And he was one of the first in his family to come into the UK and then bring over his brothers or his, like, so he's achieved a lot. So when he was in, when he had a stroke and he was in a wheelchair and we were all looking after him, it was so hard for him. Um, and he he really didn't want to accept help from others but I think I learned a lot by seeing him in a wheelchair and his just the sheer determination to be able to walk again I think it it, it was amazing because the person that was looking after him um I don't know what they're called actually what are their roles when they help with um, um, occupational is occupational it? Ther- therapist I think so. I think that's the role. Occupational therapist. Yeah, occupational nurse was like, 
the percentage of people that are able to walk again after a stroke like this, you know, really isn't that high, but it depends on the individual. Mm. Anyway, so like my mum and dad, they were like looking after each other. And like I just remember for a very short time, I'd returned to the UK. I spent a couple of weeks there and then I really had to go because of my contract and stuff. It was very political in Saudi Arabia anyway with your contracts. Mm. And with the language where it's very difficult to kind of, communicate the issues that you kind of like having at home but after two weeks I left like my mum had gone to Bangladesh so it's always such a complicated story in my life because my mum was in remission like I said and she was like that's it I'm out of here I'm going to Bangladesh and she literally left UK and she was in Bangladesh for like eight months Mm -hmm. and then the day she came back my dad had a stroke and then from then onwards like you'd think after like struggling with the whole cancer battle with my mum and then having an eight week rest we're like as a family finally felt like at peace again thinking we're all good and then dad has a stroke and then we're trying to get dad to like be himself again and be able to walk and be physically fit again and then once dad slowly is recovering and he like thankfully thank god he is able to walk now but um early 2015 around like february march time my mum falls ill and it's like the doctor's like oh she's got an ear infection and then it's just like no it's not an ear infection like she's been sick she's losing her balance and then they had um, a scan and all that stuff and they found all of these lesions in her brain I think there was like 12 lesions in her brain and they're just saying this is the reason why she's been unwell so from the from the moment like she came back to the UK in 2014 dealing with dad's illness and then straight after literally no pause no no stopping no nothing in March, April time, we were told that the cancer's back, right? So at this point, I'm trying to get out of Saudi Arabia. I'd gone back. I'm trying to come back from Saudi Arabia. And I think one of my older brothers had asked a doctor at the hospital, like, you know, it's not looking good, is it? Like he, you know, there's two types of people. Those that just want to remain quite ignorant and just take the mint, like everything as it comes. And yeah, no, we're, 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 come. we're doing our best. We're doing our best. Yeah, and then there's like my my old one of my older brothers were, were kind of like he wanted to know what what the real situation was. He's like, look, how long has she got? And not everyone has the courage to ask that question. Mm. But I'm kind of thankful he did because if he hadn't asked, then I wouldn't know how urgently, like I would I would have known when to book my flight and how to kind yeah. of like. It, it, it gives it gives you time to pre- to prepare, like so. Yeah, exactly. So it gives me time. It gave me time to prepare. Um, but as soon as I heard anything between up to three months, I was like, I'm out of here. But it was really difficult leaving a foreign country when you've got a contract. It was, I was at head office, literally crying with my broken Arabic. I didn't pick up very much Arabic, by the way. It was really broken. I needed someone like my Egyptian friend was helping me like translate. It was a matter of, I need to get out of here. And they... I needed a visa to to get out. Eventually, I managed to get that sorted within three, four days, which is quite a long time, especially when you know, like, you've been told that your mum's going to pass away and you're stuck in this country feeling quite, yeah, all sorts of emotions. Um, And I went back. Yeah, it, it it was a really tough time, actually, because I'd gone back. And as I mentioned earlier, my sister was due to get married. But as soon as they found out that the cancer was back, Within five days, we had organised like a, a religious ceremony for my sister's wedding. It was called like a nikah. Mm. And 
mum was there we had like a very small do um and then after that it was just watching looking after mum so um as I um, my little brother was at uni at that point I had come back from Saudi jobless and 100% looking after my mum my sister was helping me when she wasn't at work and then yeah my dad was at work so I spent a lot of time with my mum in her final months um and I think when I first came back and she was in hospital she very much said to me like why are you here like why are you not in Saudi Arabia and I was like what do you mean she's like what she felt like a burden the fact that I had to like put my life on pause and come and just I wanted to be there obviously I'm not going to be in Saudi Arabia when I've been told that my mum has three months to live but she was just she I think she was kind of like annoyed and disappointed that I was back when she first saw me um and I'd said like why would I not be here she was just like you're going to make sure you go back to Saudi Arabia like you 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 achieve something so great I don't I don't understand why you're here but you're you're going to make sure that you go back to Saudi Arabia and she was really like in her tone was so serious and I thought shit like she sounds very selfless man like to, she was she really was um but yeah that I think that 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 conversation was very it was a very private conversation between my mum and I and I don't think I really spoke to any of my siblings about this conversation but she she pretty much said like she's she's very proud that out of everyone that I went over and I'm teaching like being a teacher I think as a profession is quite seen quite highly especially in like our culture to be a teacher um being like Bangladesh being like a third world country where a lot of kids don't get a great education it's always been seen as like a quite good profession and the fact that I was teaching my parents were really proud of me and and, and in that moment I knew how proud my mum was but she just kept saying like she was just she's just annoyed that I'd come back for her and for me that's absurd like why would I not come back <laughs> well, you're always um, going to do that like but I think where because she just thought no, no you know you know you're you should be getting on with your life but you know don't worry I'll be fine sort of thing but of, of course it is it's good that you did but that's 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 very selfless of her man and honestly it just is a it's a it's a big thing to go and just say don't worry about me and I'll be fine yeah and obviously like, I spent a lot of time with her up until she passed away. And then it was time, like after she passed away, I was with my family for two months, I'd say. Two months. And in my head, I was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, they say typically once you lose someone, you should try and keep the same routine. Have work. Like, don't stop life. That, that's, I don't know if that's something that's actually said for us to to do and it's good for us but I think typically from what I had heard is if you keep routine it's better for you because then you don't allow yourself to fall into the pits of the reality of grief but I actually don't know to what extent I agree to that now that I'm on the other side of it but I thought you know what sitting in the house that my mum passed away with no job watching like trying to trying to continue life as normal was really difficult and I thought about the conversation that my mum had had with me about going back to Saudi Mm -hmm. so I was in like two minds but then I honestly was so torn whether I should go or not my my dad and my little brother are at home with me and I know my little brother really struggled with the loss of my mum naturally but as like the baby of the family 
he was very much lost and I not that any external family member said to me oh Shema you're the only girl in the house now you have to be at home I think it's I think I'm quite lucky in the sense that I never heard like anyone say that to me directly like you have to look after your dad and your little brother um because my dad is so self-sufficient Mm. he he's able to cook and he lo- he looks after himself really well I think that's why there was no kind of expectation for me to be there but part it's difficult because I don't actually remember making the decision to go back to Saudi but I just know I was torn and then I know the repercussions of going back to Saudi um it's an odd one I think because I don't feel like I thought about the cultural norms and expectations until um, shit hit the fan of my little brother when I was in Saudi. And like, he, he locked me off social media and he stopped talking to me whilst I was there. Yeah, and it's like, do you think that in a way he was kind of relying on you? To, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say because he's a guy, maybe he didn't know how to express him, himself, but because you're as an older sister, you thought, okay, if anything, like, I've got her to kind of like, be there yeah. and stuff like that and when you kind of said because the thing is he do you think he saw it as a way of like you going back as oh well you don't just leaving us you're just you're just gonna bounce and leave us but whereas you're thinking you know what as much as of course i'm gonna like miss my family but i've got to do this for me because maybe because um throughout looking after your mom and then finally saying goodbye mentally that that's gonna take a toll on you so maybe that way you're you going back was a way to obviously go back to work but also a way to kind of like have a, a, a bit of a mental break you know what i mean I think it's a mixture of things like I don't I don't think I saw looking after my mum as I don't I didn't I definitely didn't see it as a burden Mm. but in hindsight when I think about it it was so exhausting but again I don't see it as a burden it was so exhausting physically mentally and emotionally and to the point that it's so exhausting to the point that you don't think about how exhausting it is. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Because you're so engulfed in it, so you don't have yeah. time to think of how, how taxing it is. Like. Yeah. And then imagine, like, she passes away in our family living room and then I'm there jobless, sitting there. Like, my little brother was back at uni. My dad's constantly at work. I'm in that house alone. My sister got married two months after. So I'm like alone in this house and it's a house that is never, like my mum never worked. So she she was a homemaker, right? So the house would never be empty and there'd always be a light on or there's a specific smell. And she she knew how to make that house a home, right? So then when she left and I'm sat there alone, my dad's working, my little brother's away at uni. And there'd be times that my, my dad would check in because he works next door and he'd be like, why is there no lights on in the house? And I'm just like, oh, sorry, I forgot. Like, it's just like picking up another kind of like responsibility without not knowing how to make this house a home because I'd spend so much time away from it for the last two years, right? And then before that, I um, I lived out whilst I was at uni. So in total, I hadn't really been in the house like that for five years. Yeah. So it was just like, it was just, it's just creepy. Not just creepy, Just it just didn't feel like home. And because she died like literally meters away from where I'd typically sit in the living room. I, I didn't feel comfortable being in that environment. So to, to some extent, I do feel like I ran away, but at the same time, I think I just thought 
if I continue to be in this position, I'm actually going to go on a downward spiral and really just in terms of my mental well-being, it's just not going to be there. And if my mental well-being is not there, then how can I support my younger brother and my father? For me, that's the the logical steps that I took before saying, you know what, I'm going to go back to Saudi Arabia. But on top of that, I thought back about that conversation where my mom said, I'm so proud of you. You need to make sure you go back. But there I was two months after she passed away, sitting at home on the brink of depression. And it was in that moment I had to just decide, like, I'm either going to get up and go or I'm going to allow me to to become depressed. That that was the, the decision that ultimately I had to face. Yeah, that's I think I think that's very important. Like, and it's brave of you because, you know, it kind of makes sense because now you've explained it because from the outside looking at it's it's just logical because your dad's always at work, your brother's at uni. So in in a sense, it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm just here by myself. But because maybe like other people don't see it like that, they just say it's okay, like in a sense, you did run away from home, but it's kind of like a thing you had to do in order to kind of um get right with yourself mentally. But because again, maybe your family didn't see it like that, so they just thought, well, she's just she's gonna win. Now, what about what about us? And and I don't know, maybe at some point, your, maybe your, your brother will kind of get that. Because again, if, you, if you're not used to yourself, if you're not right up here, then nothing else is going to function. That's like with anything. You mm. and, and it's beautiful to know that your mum did kind of give you that kind of, um, not co-sign, but like, yeah, kind of like a co-sign. You know what, like, listen, you need to like kind of go back. So, it, so at least it's a, it's a thing of like, um, that must have made things a, a bit easier, would you say? Like... No, I don't think it did because that conversation was so private between my mother and I so I don't think I don't think anyone really understood that just because my mum had said it I don't I don't feel like anyone understood that that was a partial reason for me to go back to Saudi Arabia don't get me wrong like I think I can't even remember everything seems like such a blur around that time like because it's straight off it's not even directly after but two months after I don't know I have a very bad memory anyway but I think with grief certain things just kind of blur out yeah. but I, I don't recall my sisters being against me going back and I don't think my dad was against me either <laughs> because he would see it as you know he's self-sufficient anyway yeah. so he'd be okay and let's not get like, let's not get things twisted that typically in terms of like cultural expectations if there were any, but I don't feel like there were. Like, I don't remember hearing any auntie's uncle being like, oh, Shimmer's there to look after so-and-so and so-and-so. Culturally, what would be expected of me was to clean the house, to make sure it's tidy, to feed my my dad and just make sure he's okay. And thinking about what I could actually do to look after him. Yeah, I could look after the house. and But when it comes to like the food aspect of things, I didn't even know how to cook a curry back then. And that's what my dad's diet really consists of. So we really, I remember like, we really just made do with food and I'd give him like English food and he'd be like, you know, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing, but unless they've had rice, they don't really feel like they're full. I don't know. My dad would be like, what is this? And like, yeah, so obviously we have a family restaurant and I'd find out that he'd go and eat a little bit of rice next door after his eating dinner. But um, going off on a tangent, but in terms of like cultural expectations and like, no, more to do with my sibling expectations. Apart from my little brother, I don't think anyone vocally expressed them not wanting me, like 
me not want them not wanting me to go back that makes sense but you know I, I say all of this stuff about my mental well-being and part of the reason me going back was to help my mental well-being but when I went back to Saudi I do feel like I was sitting in an apartment alone so it's very similar to what I was doing oh, at home okay, yeah and then but this time I didn't have any family nearby so I don't know whether I really kick myself in terms of thinking it will be easier if I remove myself from the the house that my mum passed away but then actually I found myself in a foreign land on my own without any family nearby um and then I think I spent two weeks just in my apartment like curtains closed and really like you know like your typical like film grieving yeah like just can't get out of bed like just yeah literally I sent I spent probably like just two weeks just because my although I'd gone back my um my contract didn't really start until like a week and a half I think they were just figuring things out yeah um so I had like time on my hands Mm. and I think I, I I lost like a friend in that time like I had a friend in Saudi Arabia and I think she used to come to my door and be like you know Shima you there and I just used to ignore her and I have no reason now to, to I don't I don't I feel bad that I just used to ignore her but I don't want to talk to anyone I didn't, and I certainly didn't want to see anyone did that make I don't know if you you guys experienced that but the first yeah on. No, 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 I was saying, like, um, I, I had something similar where, like, um, yeah, I wanted to just, yeah, I just felt a bit, I didn't want to, I wanted to be by myself. I didn't really feel like, I was embarrassed to see people, like, because people would see me vulnerable. So I just felt, yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a weird period. But I had, the thing is, I had nowhere, nowhere to kind of, um, like, go off, like, go to there. And I, I just felt like, again, like, with me, I, like, I hadn't, had to be there. And the thing is, like you, no one kind of told me, oh, oh, Jermaine, you must stay here, you must like, but I just kind of felt in my mind, I had to, um, I've, got, I've got to be here. I can't, I've got to kind of like go through the morning stages and grieve and I can't, anything, anything I do within that, like within that period, um, you know, apart from going to work, anything else apart from that and, and coming home and just grieving is like almost like, oh, I feel bad for doing this. Like even when, like, when I went to Dubai, I felt, like um i mean my grandma kind of said something but not in, in a better it was like oh you know should is it maybe it's a bit too soon to travel but i'm just thinking when like there's no better time to, like i can jump you know in i can either just always be like okay, i'm gonna put everything on pause and just kind of grieve but the thing is when when um, grief happens the thing is like with mourning it's mourning hasn't expired it in the sense where like there's always so much you can mourn for but grief doesn't end so it's like i can say right okay the grief's not going to end anyway, so I might as well travel, like, or do what I want. But I think back then, I had that kind of restricted, restricted, um, sorry, restricted mindset of, like, I can't redo things. Like, I must just be here. I must just kind of, like, you know, not do anything. And I, I remember when I realised that was when um, I went on, on, so that year, I think 26 and I went on two, I think like on two holidays. So I went to Croatia in the summer. And I remember, like, it was a holiday, um i enjoyed it but i remember like because it was a, like a festival that i went to so me and a few friends and um most of my other friends they like they kind of booked to stay a bit longer so after the festival they'll all go like um to the different islands in croatia to a bit of sightseeing and stuff like that but i didn't go because i felt like because it was my mom's birthday and i felt i had to be here 
no one said that. I just kind of thought I had to, I just had to be here, like, and I and I would feel bad for like kind of not being here on on the first birthday. Do you know, do you know what I mean? On the, and I felt, and I remember a friend of mine kind of said, um, Jermaine, like, I don't think like you, your mum will want you to kind of enjoy, like, you don't need to feel good. But at, at the time, I just thought, yeah, I need to be here. But no one's told, no one said anything. It's just an innate thought I had, and like, and I think looking back now, I wish I kind of did kind of live a bit more um, back then. But you know, like I said, you, you you live and learn, you know. So, but it's, it was it was it was a weird one, like, um, you know, like in terms of kind of thinking in your head. There's all these kind of cultural norms, but actually, it's all in your head. No one's actually said anything to you. Mm. you know what I mean, like in in your case. Everyone's fine. Well, apart from your brother, and I'm sure even your brother don't kind of. I think. Um, do you think his his uh, issue was more of like you're not going to be there emotionally, rather than a, a cultural thing? Or you should you should be here as part of culture to look after us. Do, do you know what I mean? I don't even think it was cultural for him. I think I don't think he understood that I wanted to take care of my mental well-being first, and secondly, I think he just wanted me there as an older sister. Yeah nothing to do with culture I think he just really wanted me there um and we we had quite a close relationship um so I just think perhaps I just let him down by not being there um yeah, yeah. I mean, bless him man I feel like obviously his heart is not right how, how old is your little brother how old is yeah. your... I'm how old am I I'm, I'm gonna be 29 next month so he's three years younger than me so he's gonna be he's just turned 26 Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not say he's still young, but... he was. I was twenty. He was just turned twenty when Mum passed away. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, still was, really young. Yeah, still young. Um, but I think he just wanted someone else, like his sister, to be there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, because sometimes with, with boys, it's like often we don't really know how to communicate certain things. So our way of communicating is like kind of doing the opposite. So like, like of course he's he's your brother. Of course he he loves his sister, but he's like you know what? Like I wanted to be there, and and I'm sure it's probably the case now because like you, I know you said you guys are a bit having a bit of some beef right now, but <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure like he he he's like he's like it's weird. I don't know him, but I feel like I just kind of know like his heart's in the right place, but just yeah, yeah he just I, ne- I never question like his intentions. Like obviously it was very it was difficult me being back in Saudi. And I'm trying to be of an emotional support through technology and like messaging him and checking in on him. But where he kind of locked me off and blocked me on any kind of that's mad though. <laughs> blocked me, a little petty child that he was. He blocked me, and I weren't able to communicate. And I think that was tough, you know. Like I felt that's when I felt guilty when he completely locked me off like that. And I just thought, wow, like. I might not be there physically, but I'm trying to still be there, like for you in a different way. He didn't want to have anything to do with me, and I think it took him a good, almost a year, until, like almost until I returned for him to be okay with me. But then, you know, when we've had like arguments, like more recently, it will always come back into the argument. Like you're just that selfish person that left me when I needed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and literally, it comes back to that, and it it hurts me every time he mentions it because. I'm still in two minds. Like I feel like I did the right thing. And I, I'm not, I think that was the first time in my life that I fully put myself first, yeah. like in another sort of way. Like, yeah, growing up, I'd always put myself first, but being part of a big family, like 
as a second youngest, I always felt like I had to look after me anyway because everyone's just getting on. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like you have to kind of look after yourself when you're part of a big family and an, an attention, like, attention might go on to, like, certain siblings more than you. But I've always, I've always had to be quite self-sufficient. And when I went to Saudi, it was me putting myself first in a, in a different kind of way. And, you know, I mentioned my personal development and my growth after sitting in that apartment in Saudi for two weeks, I literally had a shower and I told myself to pull myself together again. And I started praying. I started doing everything that I thought would help my soul. And I started to work. So I had a bit more of a routine. And I do feel like that allowed me to feel somewhat better. Mm. But I kind of buried my grief by continuing on with my life like mm-hmm. yeah I sat and I mourned in an empty dark apartment but when it came to going back into my routine I kind of like I missed my mum but I didn't really acknowledge my grief yeah and I tried to it's always like on the back burner like I wouldn't really allow it to come to the surface and then I think um when I returned back to the UK after that academic year um I must have been in that same position at home alone in my living room dad and brother working now and me in that same position I was two months after my mum passed away and that's when it hit me and that's when I fully started to grieve and I was going back into that downward spiral but at the same time trying to pick myself up I was in a very difficult part of my journey when I went back home Um, and I think to some extent that was inevitable that feeling there and that grief finally like saying like you know you're not in Saudi anymore deal with me and I had to deal with it and like I don't think there's a certain way that I dealt with it but it was a long time coming and it had to happen (laughs) yeah like it's 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 um because what I was going to say is like um it's almost like you you went away to get away but the grief's like, okay, yeah, you, you, you're going to come back and you're going to have to have a talk. Like, yeah, if, but when I came back the second time, I built myself up, like I talked about my personal growth. I yeah. built myself up to another level in Saudi Arabia. So when I came back and I found myself in the same position, mentally, I wasn't in the same oh, position. Okay, yeah, but yeah. physically, I was in the same position. And it's a bit confusing because some elements, it still tested my mental health. But because I built myself in Saudi Arabia emotionally and really thought about things and life in general, like a lot of reflection happened in Saudi. So when I came back, it attacked me. The grief definitely attacked me, but I was in a better place mentally. Deal with it. Not, yeah, to deal with it better. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, that, 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 that makes perfect sense. I think even though you said you was in the same place, but if you think about it, you wasn't because as I, as I said earlier, like, I think once you're mentally once you're in, in a better place mentally that's all that matters nothing nothing else but and of course like the thing with, with grief is a scary thing because it's when you have because i think for everyone is different um in a sense where like when you finally have to deal with it like i think with me i kind of ran away for for a bit as well like kind of just kind of buried my head in the sand sort of thing but when i actually had to deal with it, it was a bit scary but like it's so crazy how, like, now I'm so glad I went through it. I'm glad that I, I felt everything that I felt. I'm glad I even buried it for a bit because 
I felt maybe if I had if I had um, dealt with it early on, maybe I would, I would have been mentally ready. So of course, I think you have to kind of uh, take the rough and the smooth sort of thing, because normally you just don't know how you're going to be. And of course, you've you've come back now and you're in a better space. Because I think with grief, like you have to be in, in a space. I think with grief, yeah, it's, it's like two things how I see it. Like there's dealing with it and there's being a person where that you use that grief to um, kind of build something else. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. So, <clears throat> like, like that, well, in your in your case, like, you know, would you say like being in that, in that place mentally where you, you kind of like, you know, you're, you're yourself again sort of thing. Now you can, you know, you can start doing other things like, for example, like spoken grief. I don't think I was ever myself again. I do think that I was someone else. Like mm. I was, a, and I've spoken about this in spoken grief, like I was definitely a different version of myself. Yeah. Like the grief, the grieving version of myself that was able to go on to doing other things. So like when I came back in 2016, I, again, I was, I had no job. So I had to really like start from scratch. When you work abroad and you come back to the UK, it's always starting from square one in terms of like employment things. So like I had to focus on how I was going to go forward in terms of employment at the same time I was edging on to being 26 I was thinking okay do I want to get married and all those those cultural expectations of me I was thinking about um but I do think I had I just kind of had to go go with the roles go with go with the punches that I was thrown with my grief after coming back from Saudi but again like I said like I was in a much better position to deal with it because I'd thought about things and reflected about things a lot um, I had to really build on my relationship with my little brother um, and I think we came together as a family physically for like my mum's <coughs> one year anniversary and I think from there things felt like you know it was getting better because I had the support of my family um, I was going to say something but I've forgotten what it is but maybe it'll come back to me I can't think of it right now With, with your brother do you feel like you ever um at some point just have like a just an honest open conversation about and just kind of um explain not explain to him but just kind of just be honest with him and just kind of explain where you was at at the time maybe he it will help him understand better i think i've tried but he's really stubborn yeah he's really stubborn i mean maybe i'll try one more time like when we come out of this kind of little argument that we're having but i do think I just think he'll he'll always remember how he felt at the time and then how because his mental health deteriorated whilst I was trying to fix mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I think that plays into it. And you know, being part like in your early twenties is such a prominent time in your life and where you're grieving and you fall into that little hole and you thought you had someone that then left fo focus on themselves mm. but if I put myself in his shoes I get it I do but I don't know what to say it's hard isn't it who do you pick and was it was it easy for me to pick myself no it wasn't it wasn't easy at all it's, it's almost like a catch for me too because had you not um done what you did then mentally maybe you, you might not you might not be in in this sort of mental space you are now so it's like something's got to give but unfortunately 
you know, you, you had to put yourself first and you may not see that. You may not see that now, but in, in time, like in, everyone's growth with grief is different. In time, like he, he might just be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you had to do and it's, it's all good. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he what? will see it in time. Because <laughs> it's been what? It's been five, six years. And it, you know how he brings those comments back into our conversations? You know, like he hasn't, he's forgotten about it, but he hasn't forgiven me. It's, it's quite deep, but we, we we get on really well, but when we go on a downer, he bring he brings it back up. But it just might be his personality. Who knows? But I do think I don't know. It is it's a catch twenty two, like you said. But I think for me, definitely, when I was in Saudi and I found like I I wasn't really practicing before I went to Saudi Arabia, and then because of my mum passing away I found a lot of solace in praying and um just so much peace through my religion that when I went back to the UK I was able to feel that kind of peace when I had to deal with the grieving so for me like if I hadn't gone back I definitely I don't I don't know how I don't think spoken grief would have been a thing I think I would have been quite a reckless person really yeah I do that's, honest truth but it's it's you mentioned about the religion um it's a perfect segue because i feel like um because ben explained this as well um when we had when we've done our like lessons learned from grief um how like you make you talked about how it made you um closer to god and i think sometimes religion oh yeah yeah some, sometimes grief can kind of do a thing where i think with me it was quite the opposite where like i was a bit like you know what yeah I, just, I kind of lost hope in in just like um, believing in God, and, and that's because it was it was quite silly when when I think of it now. Because I felt that because that um, that day when my mum passed away, like because she passed away, like uh, I think it was maybe the afternoon. So I remember that morning I woke up really early. Obviously, we have been told that yeah, she's quite ill, but I didn't think nothing of it. I just thought yeah, she's ill. She'll she'll pull through. But I remember just coming, like, just praying on my knees, like, God, please, just, if you pull her through this, I'm telling you, I'll be good. I'll start reading the Bible again. You see me on Sundays. Like, I'll, I'll even pray, to, I'll even pray twice a, a day. Like, so I, so I thought, okay, I've said my prayer. It's going to be all right. It's going to be, it's going to be good. And then I'm just like, and I think I, w- I was angry because I was like, okay, God, like, I prayed, like, we prayed about this. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, you know, like, you know, did, did you not get the message? Like, do you know what I mean? Is it, was it like, you know, I, I promise I'll be good. And I just kind of I felt a bit of, um, I can't say resentment because I, I don't, it's not like, well, yeah, I can't say resentment, but I felt a bit angry. Just like, you know, what's the point? Yeah. I've lost my dad. Now I, I, you've taken my mom. So what what can you possibly try and teach me? How can I have faith? Like, what is faith? Do, do you know what I mean? And but obviously like now, like now I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm more like, focused on being more prayerful and just understand that you know what I may not understand it now but there's a reason there's a reason that why like my parents are not here there's a reason and and I don't know maybe in a strange way it it was to kind of start this with Ben and just um, be more open about the grief maybe like there's some sort of purpose like like we're destined to kind of like just be more raising awareness about grief and just see where that takes us I don't I don't know but these are the sort of things I think now so I I'm a lot less kind of um, angry and more just, you know, 
just at peace with with that. I, I don't know the reason now, but you know, at some point, if he reveals it to me, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's fine. All I know now is like I feel like I have a bit more like drive and purpose now. So I'm just gonna just like take that and just see see where I go with that. You know, like um, like do you feel like that as well, Ben? Um. So when it happened, I I did question God and I even questioned the people around me because obviously um, grief is interesting because it kind of reveals who uh, people are when they're there. When you're at your like worst, that's when you realise who your, who your real um, friends are. Um, and then that's when I begin to question the people around me as well as um, the point of even being around certain people because it's like they don't really understand what you're what you're going through um yeah it was kind of hard and I think the worst thing that I probably would not do for grief is um fight is is probably work or find a job because I think the mistake I made was um I never learned how to value um just taking time off so my form of um escaping grief will, will probably be working or just keeping my mind occupied because I don't really like to um, sit in my thoughts for too long. Because mm-hmm. when I do, that's when um, you get a lot of um, um, this weird thoughts about suicide, depression, anxiety, because I, I, don't, I, I don't like to sit in my thoughts too long because when I do that's when I um go a, a bit crazy if that makes sense so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always keeping myself occupied um you know with with this work I think one thing I'm, I'm gonna take from grief is um just taking my time being being kind kind to myself and um yeah and this that makes sense. Yeah. No, I feel like, um, like, like, would you feel like religion, like being close to God, that, that kind of helped you with not having these, um, like feeling, like having these de- uh, de- depressive thoughts and feeling negatively about, you know, like, oh, why am I here? Like trying to take my life. Because I think like being close to God does kind of help in that sense. But for you, was that, was that the case, would you say? Um, I actually didn't really, well, I kind of did question God at around the time that it did happen. So I, I, I actually stopped going to church for like seven, eight months. I didn't, I never used to go because I was a bit, um, I think I, I kind of felt like I needed to, to sit back in a way and just think. And, um, cause I was really in a messy um, place around the time that it it happened, so um, I wasn't really myself when it happened. Um, my my personality kind of did change a bit when um, it happened. So so I think I acted out of character when um, uh, I used to get into fights. So there'll, there'll be times when I get into fights. I'll get angry for no reason. I'll um, 
you know, um, I think even with family stuff as well, I don't really talk much about it because it was really um, toxic with um, this, my stepdad. Like, I never, we don't really, I, I, don't, I don't really talk with him as much based on um, around the things that have just happened with um, with uh, this, this family, with um, this, like, um, property issues or like in, in back in Ghana um, mm-hmm. I don't really like to get into it too much because um, I don't really um, we don't really talk as much with him but he, even though we will still respect older people but at the same time it's just like I, I don't really I haven't really spoken to him since it happened because it's it's kind of created um a bit um like um some some kind of war um that that you just that you can't really um see so yeah there's still some things that I still need need to deal with in internally as well as externally as well but. Yeah, I'm still learning. I'm still learning as I grow, you know, as a person. You know, I'm beginning to to find myself in in the world, but I guess it takes time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's what um, you said earlier, Shima. Um, like sometimes we're not exactly like you don't exactly feel um, like you. Obviously, you were different, but I think. That's not always a bad thing in a sense where because when when group happens it does it does change you it does kind of change how you see things you know in every in every sense of the word and i feel like now it's kind of crazy that all of us as individuals we're all kind of doing different things in terms to kind of express our grief and had we not gone through certain things then you kind of think would we be be in this sort of space would we kind of have this mentality you know so sometimes often like the things we kind of run away from all those feelings of like feeling um you know like worthless not believing in god because I was, I was quite embarrassed to kind of say like oh I, I stopped believing in god at a point because it's almost like blasphemous like don't say that but it's, it's just it's just being real and, that, and that's what and that's what it's about with grief there's no like filter with grief there's no you know like it's not pretty like there's no like hollywood version of grief where you know we we mourn and then oh yeah everything goes back to normal like everything's fine like you know, and sometimes even with the whole religion thing, I think there's often an issue where, like, because of religion, you almost can't grieve. Like, for example, um, what one thing I hear a lot, and maybe it might be different for, for you guys, is, "Oh, oh, God knows best." Mm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is um, that isn't the case in some aspects, but I think it's 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 when you kind of say, it. like, if I'm just found out found out that my parents was passed away. Me hearing God knows best is not going to do anything for me. In fact, like, why are you telling me that? It kind of closes off the whole conversation. So in a way, you're not really help, help, helping the person. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's not like, it's, it's a way to kind of like maybe let's, uh, make me feel better, but it doesn't make me feel because like, it's almost like when you go grief has, there's no, how can I explain it? Like when it comes to the religion thing, um, I feel like, Grief's not like grief doesn't say, oh well, because you're a Christian, so 
therefore I want to not let you feel a, set, a certain way about this or that like that that you're gonna you're gonna feel you're gonna you're gonna feel anger like if we even like I was saying to you earlier we had um a friend of mine Francis um in a previous episode where he talked about um his faith in Christianity and he was saying like just because you're a Christian it doesn't mean you're not gonna question God it doesn't mean you're gonna go through normal grief as well like you, you go through normal grief he had issues like where he was grieving that like he cried he questioned God that's normal but you know so I think it's kind of important not to have this idea that because your you know of a certain religious background or your or your personal faith that you can't go you can't be angry you can like it's normal you have, mm. to, you have to let yourself feel these things like and when people kind of say certain things you just kind of feel like like we what are you saying what are you trying to do like i have to express this grief you can't just say uh like you said earlier oh um i don't know because like, i believe in god i don't grieve like, what? yeah like, yeah just, i think it, I- obviously I said when I went back to Saudi I started practicing and I found like peace by praying but remember I went back to Saudi like two just over two months after my mum passed away and I think I've had quite a journey with my religion and my grief um so for example like my mum passed away like seven o'clock in the morning and I remember leaving her side and going to pray an hour beforehand like my morning prayers and I, I literally prayed to God like you did, Jermaine. And I was like, look, I don't want my mum suffering. So if she is suffering, God, just take her away. I literally said to God, just take her away because I don't want her to suffer. And then I said, look, but if, she, if, if she's going to get through this and like we can have more time with her, then give us some more time with her, God. And 45 minutes later, my mum passed away. And I thought, rah. Like, I, was, I wasn't even a proper... I, I, I did not pray like that prior to my mum passing away. Like... Obviously, as Muslims, you're meant to pray five times a day. I think during Ramadan, I'm on it. I pray five times a day. And then, like, if I'm good and I don't slip, then I continue to pray. But I think where I was so emotionally and mentally and physically exhausted looking after mum, I was missing my prayers here and there, but I was praying slightly. So then for me to pray 45 minutes before my mum passed away and then that happened, I just saw it. I did see it as God knows best and I did accept it. And I do feel like in terms of spiritually, my and morally my values have always been there with my religion um but soon after I did experience anger to a some extent resentment but I I always accepted that it was my mum's time to go and like Islamically we believe like your time is written before anything like like the scriptures like your time has been written before you were even when you're put in this world your time has been written it doesn't matter what what time what day how old you were it was meant to be at that time like that, there's like um religious reference I can't remember off the top of my head and I just remember like it doesn't matter whether I feel like my mum was too young to go or she didn't experience this or that like my time is written I don't know if I'm going to be here by the end of tonight and I always remember that and I am thankful would be would be yeah exactly like Thank you. but we don't know, Jermaine. That's the thing. And I think we will be, we'll be like <laughs> <laughs> this episode's gotta come out, so we'll <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll give you permission to release it. <laughs> oh, it's so sinister laughing about it. But this is it though, like grief, like where you face death in such way, like I do feel like I, I make really sinister death jokes. I don't mean to, but when you've lost someone like your mum and you kind of lose purpose, you're like 
you know, like I'm going on so many tangents and I do apologize, but I do feel like my religion fluctuates. Like if you ask me, have I prayed five, when's the last time you prayed five times a day? I can't say I did that yesterday. I don't even recall when I prayed all five prayers in my, like in the last couple of months. So I go through, it's so bad. Like, cause obviously visibly I'm very Muslim cause I wear a hijab, right? But it's like with my prayers, sometimes if I leave it too long, I don't pray for such a long time. But part of me feels angry again at God. And it's almost been six years. So I, I'm very confused in my religion. But at the same time, I've never not believed in God. And yeah. I, I know and I accept it's, it's not okay that I miss my prayers. But I'm not hard on myself because I'm still morally in everything I do when I say I, I think yeah. about God. He's, God's always on my mind and in my heart. And I know if I didn't have that spiritual element, then the devil has me, like, literally, like, yeah, I always, yeah. I'm very, I, I never forget God in everything I do. And it's okay for me to sit here and say, I found peace two months after my mum passed away. And I do find peace when I'm praying, but sometimes I fall off the wheel of the wagon and I, I can't find that same sort of peace. And I'm a bit of a headless chicken, but it's, I feel like that's part of my grief journey and, the religious elements come into it and you know I did see a post somewhere that said like I I what's it called I love God and um because I believe in him I don't need to grieve but you can be praying five it, yeah, times a day. It, yeah. you can be praying five times a day but it doesn't mean when you're not in prayer you don't think about the person that you've lost you still grieve like fine you accept that their time was then and they're not here anymore but it doesn't mean you can't feel your grief and I found, I found when, I felt, when I saw that post, it really annoyed me. And then it questioned my relationship with, my, with God and whether I was a bad Muslim. And then I just thought, no, nah, fuck it. Like, I know like where my morals are at and I know where, what I believe in and what is true. Mm. So that's just one of those posts that are trying to get popular likes on Instagram. So I'm not going to see to it, you know. But I do feel like, yeah, religion... Um, and people saying, you know, God knew best. I think it's always very difficult to hear that. But I I think people's intentions are good when they say it. I do think that. Yeah. It's almost, there's also a thing of, like, when you do hear it, when you are, like, in the midst of heavy grief, it's almost, it's, it's the emotions kind of um, making you respond that way as well. Because obviously I know that like, it's not coming from a place of, like, you know, any hatred or nothing, but it's like, because you're so engulfed in your grief and you're, you're so... You know your, your emotions are high so of course how, how you respond to that might might not be rational you might you might you might take offense to it because because he, he does and i think one thing that i always kind of feel to um we're not feel more like i don't like kind of run much of it is that we all have our time because yeah. it, it just seems very morbid like i don't i mean i, I mean next year I, I would like to be here next year so i can at least travel again and hit some festivals like but i don't i don't yeah. i don't know just what i'm saying like i mean I, I hope that I can be here tomorrow and do you know what I mean? And I can make it to next week or so I can do this and do that. But it's it's almost a thing where because we just don't think like that. We just think, oh yeah, t- tomorrow's promised because yeah, I mean, I'm here. To, but, mm-hmm. but like I said, God willing, we will be here tomorrow. But you know, because again, like we want to see them tomorrow, but it's just, you, you just don't know. And I think I, I, I'm culturally led to believe that, you know, we like, as you, young people don't die, like you know, as a as a young person, you don't lose your parents until you until they hit the eighties or nineties, because that's just what 
well, that's, it doesn't work like that. As we can we can all attest to that. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Respective of religion, culture, it doesn't it doesn't matter if our you know obviously our parents were lovely people, but that doesn't matter either. Nothing matters. Yeah. It's all down to when it's your time. It's your time, and the, the only thing we can control right now is is just obviously how we spend our time and and how and in in our particular cases how we just use our time to honor. You know our loved ones that are no longer here. You know, but I don't know. I, I, I don't. Really, I don't know. I don't really think about that. It's because I always think that it's very quite oh, morbid. Oh gosh, I don't have to think that one day I won't be here. And this is gonna sound quite messed up here. So apologies in advance. But I don't know how. What's the saying? Like every year we go through, yeah, we kind of skip our death date. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's mad. This is crazy, isn't it? It's kind of like, it's it's mad. Like every, do you know what I mean? Because every year we just don't know when or like how. But anyway, I, I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. No, but I was, I was actually thinking though, like every, like from what you just said, and then how I think about how I'm living my life. So obviously, like my mum's not here, and I, I pray and I hope. Like obviously, you guys are Christian. I'm Muslim. We believe in an afterlife. And I really pray like our parents are in heaven, right? Yeah. But then it, it comes to my mind when I think to myself, okay, like I would really like to reunite with my mum, but am I doing enough in this world to attain paradise? And then I think, shit, there's no time for me to be angry with God or, or not be praying. Like if I ultimately, if I really want to see my mum and I believe in afterlife and I, I believe in heaven, am I, gonna, am I doing enough to be there with her? And that's when it hits deep and it make it pushes me to practice again and do what I'm meant to be doing. But yeah, like like you said, like, you know, we've made it to 2021. We've, we've skipped a potential, you know, time. You know, we've skipped death. Like God has given us another path for what we do with our time. Like I'm not being like, you know, I'm, I'm not going around the world doing bad things, but am I doing enough to make sure that I'm going to see my mum again? Yeah, exactly. It's not enough to say, you know, I'm not a bad person. I mean, I haven't robbed no banks. I, mean, I haven't killed anyone. But all I do is just, you know, sit in my house, watch Netflix and eat food. So I, I must be, you know what I'm saying? I must be good. But it's like, you think, and I'm, yeah, I'll see mum one day, but do you know that? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, and it's, and I, I know, I know, like I said, with you, what you said earlier, I, I echo that in the sense where, like, I know, like, when I, I may not pray, I know I don't pray every day. I don't pray every day. Sometimes I do feel good. Sometimes, like, you know, I know where, where my heart is at. I know, like, I'm not, um, I'm not sinister. I know spiritually that I, I believe there is a God, and I believe that He's the one that wakes me up. He's the one that protects me in every in every form, every shape. But, but that isn't enough. And I know that. But I, my my I rest on a laurel that oh, you know what? But I know I'm not a bad person. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not a horrible person. I know that my intentions are pure. But you know, is is that gonna? make me you know I'm, 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 does that mean i'm gonna see my mom one day i, I don't know yeah. you know i mean i hope so i mean i hope I so i pray that we do i do honestly i pray that we do deep conversation religion it's part of the topic but i think with, with it it's always it's very quite it's very quite deep and again we're not perfect but it's just so many things that you you don't want to think of and i think you know, when you when you go through something as tragic as loss, it make it, it makes you question a lot of things, and it either like pushes you away from religion or it brings you to it. You know, um, but I I know like 
deep down I'm kind of I, I don't think I've I've never I've never been a, a sinister person, but I just don't know where I'd be if I was if I was in an environment where. You know, I, I was always constantly thinking of the negative thoughts, you know, or I or constantly wallowing in self pity, like you know what, my mom, my parents are gone. That then there's there's no there's nothing left for me here. There's no I have no purpose. Like, you know. But just before we wrap up, yeah, just briefly, just briefly. Um, well, we just want to talk about um, obviously smoking grief. Um, the plans for it like you're listen you're imagine yeah you started this when it's almost it's, it's not been a year yet right mm, mm, april will be a year april mm. she started she started it in april can you let me just show, let me just show something just 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 so people kind of people listen and people that are gonna watch you so you started it in april yeah yeah mid-april okay well done i've got to just do this because this just shows like how hard you work and look at look at almost on four and a half, four point five k followers. Do you, like that's that's nuts. Like it's not even been a year yet. Like you're just like some educator by day, social media whiz by night. Like, I, can you just give us like one secret, please? Like, <laughs> I honestly, you know, every day when we wake up, we'll feel something that is connected to our grief sometimes it's not very intense but we'll feel something that reminds us of our person yeah. and then I focus on that and then I use that as like a foundation for what I'm going to post it, it, whether it takes a couple of days whether I can dissect it into a few different topics then I know what I'm doing so it's, yeah. it's honestly it's, it's really things I post whether it is a bog standard quote a typical grieving quote it will always link to me and how I've felt that week or that day and I just build on it from that so honestly like I have no secret it's just just raw and my grief that that's all it is you put, you put in work man I honestly don't know what I'm doing like <laughs> you think I've got it together I don't know what I'm doing well you I think I think you're um what, what did they always say I think you're um uh, being modest you're doing well like you need and I've got to give you a flowers whilst we can so honestly just keep doing Amazing working grief, man. Um, yeah, keep up the work. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. And I really appreciate that. Um, I'm honoured to be on your pod. So thank you. We appreciate we appreciate it, man. Um, you know, and like, other than that, I think it's, I think it's, it's been wonderful. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have any more segues. So uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's, that's, that's just, yeah, I think maybe it's just time to wrap it up. But um, for everyone listening, um, it's just a late intro. We had Schumacher from Spoken <laughs> on the podcast. Um, amazing guest. You can probably you probably heard. You're probably gonna watch. Um, follow her account. Honestly, like very interactive, very engaging. Like I said, I don't know how she does it, but she does it nevertheless. That's all that matters. Um, follow us on what are we on? We're on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. So also subscribe on our YouTube channel in the link below. And apart from that, any 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 last words, Ben? Any last words, Shoma? Um, no, no, that's it. That's it. Yeah, stay safe.